Hey, listen up. Yeah, we here and we locked in. Let's keep it going all the way to the top ten. We fear the turtle, so it's no other option. Fred and Ryan, just watch them. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Shell and Tell. We got another treat for you this week. We did not forget you. Yeah, we we hung our heads low for this Penn State thing. Who didn't? Who didn't? We all got our hopes up a little bit. I say we all, but it's only me sitting around here. We've tried the three-man shows this year. We've tried the two-man shows. It's been a while since we did the one-man show, the Ryan Rants. Uh, but I figured you guys still need some Shell and Tell content in your life. I still want to get some stuff off my chest. So here we are. We're going to try it out. You know, we brought in some audio clips like we've been doing. So it's going to be me and Coach chopping it up for the most part in this uh, in this episode. Uh, talking about the one that got away, really. It's the way it feels. I mean, I don't know how you guys felt about it. But you guys know none of us predicted the win. But the more we got into that game, even before we tied it up in the fourth quarter, the fact that it was that close, it really just changed my goals for the game. Yeah, did we talk about just be close, be competitive, make that make that statement that you can hang with the big boys in the Big Ten? Sure, but watching that game, it didn't feel like we were on the field with the big boys of the Big Ten. I truly believe the better team lost that game. Now, the best player on the field was clearly on Penn, on Penn State. Clearly, the most talented person on the field was a Nittany Lion. But the best team? No. The Terps were the best team that Saturday. Maybe they're not the best team every Saturday. But that Saturday, they were. And they let one get away. And that's why it hurt so much. That's why I kind of hung my head there for a minute. Took me a while to dig myself out and realize that, you know, we still get a chance. This will be that kind of game where, you know, looking down the road, if we if we get that sixth win, if we if we steal one from one of these Michigan fools, or if we win the Rutgers game that everybody's looking forward to, and we get that sixth win, we get to the bowl game, then I can look back fondly that we were tied 14-14 in the fourth quarter against Penn State. But if we don't get the sixth win, this one stays unacceptable because it was just so close. It was there for the taking, as we'll get into. You guys, it is November 11th, Thursday, November 11th. Thank you for joining me. It's a Veterans Day. I hope uh, if you have served out there, thank you for your service. If you know a veteran, please reach out and thank them for me. Uh, it was really cool last Saturday seeing all the military gear that the Terps were wearing um, on the sidelines, the coaches. They didn't bust out the the jerseys, the unity privilege all whatever the the honor duty all the the last names on the jerseys those are always interesting it's like oh who's playing out there i don't get it i feel like you know going back to the penn state unis with you know the no names on the back i always i always like the names you know it's about the name on the chest sure but you got to be able to rep yourself some too well anyway i hope you guys enjoyed your holiday if you had it off but we got to get into this man we got to get into what we're here for, that Terps football and a little bit of Terps basketball later as we had a really cool experience this weekend uh, thanks to a big-time fan sitting courtside at the exhibition match at Xfinity Center. Something myself and Fred will never forget. Unbelievable experience. It really is a whole different way of watching basketball uh, and probably the best view in all of sports. Well, you know, let's, uh, let's kick it off. Let's get my guest in here, if you will, uh, you know. How do you feel about that game, Coach? I mean, all these losses suck. Right? They all suck. And this one is disappointing. Uh, we had opportunities. And, and I'll give Penn State credit, but I'll take the blunt of the, the blame that we didn't get the things accomplished we needed to to win. Um, it was a competitive game. Our team continues to be competitive. They continue to fight and play with great effort. But the, the, the winning formula is... You know, not turning the ball over and winning the big play, the battle, and we didn't do that today. No, Coach, we did not do that today. We haven't done that in a while. We can't force any turnovers. 
I don't, I don't know why. I don't know how. Uh, I, I tried. I did everything in my power. I only called one interception in this game. <laughs> I looked over at Fred. I said, Kenny Bennett right here. And Kenny Bennett undercuts a pass, puts two hands on the ball on the far sideline. And I thought it was an interception, but all those two hands did was bat the ball to the ground. I, I just, I was cel- celebrating early, and I, it was the only time the whole t- game that I was like, you know, I just kind of feel it here. This is where the momentum changes. He, j- he had jumped a little bit earlier, and I thought that he had a shot at it and was kind of getting a read on his wide receiver. Like I said, we were the better team that day. There were a lot of people getting the better of the people they were playing against. We were getting into the backfield. We were shutting down pretty much all the options outside of Dotson. But you just couldn't get the win. I this this one hurts. This is the one that got away. I, I you know, of course you can look at Talia with the interception, where they'll be talk about later on how much that was his fault, how much that was the wide receiver's fault, not running the route the way it was supposed to be ran. You know, we could look at the other turnover in the red zone, the high snap. We'll talk about that later too. But it really doesn't matter if you force zero. You're never going to win the turnover battle. You might tie it. What's that going to do for you? All the statistics are about who wins it. So I would. It's interesting because the defense did play pretty well in this game, but we just the big plays are missing on both offense and defense, and I don't know what we're going to do to get it back. Because of how well we played, because we were the better team, we spent a lot of time on their side of the field. Didn't do a ton of it scoring, but we spent a lot on their side of the field. And with that comes a lot of hard decisions. Decisions on whether to kick a long field goal. Decisions on whether to punt, try to pin somebody down and risk getting very little out of that punt. Or to go on on fourth down. It's all, you know, kind of a a crapshoot, a gut feeling. You know, now all the sudden days they try to pretend it's math. Some of it's math. Not all of it's math, but Loxley wants to talk about here. Or they force his hand to talk about some of those decisions in the going for it versus not going for it. Well, I mean, we have a kick line, and hope is not a game plan. So if the kicker's kick line is the thirty-two, the ball's at the thirty-six. I can hope that we make one, but you know, we study it. We know where our line is. Did go for on some fourth situations, fourth down situations where we weren't in that position. We felt the field position battle uh, up until the end of the game. We were in pretty good shape. We, you know, had opportunities to pin them down inside, and we didn't make the play. Those are the type of plays that I continue talking about, where the ball hits at the five and it was supposed to be behind our heels on the goal line and, and not allow the ball in the end zone. We don't get it executed. So when we don't get those things done, those goes back. Those things go back to coaching and making sure that we got the right players in there to be able to execute the things that we coach. So and get those things fixed as I said. I'm shocked today that you don't see uh, transfer portals with uh, two punters' names in it. Spangler and Pecarella had a hell of a day, especially Pecarella. That ball, they kicked the living piss out of it on one of them that, sh- that changed the field, completely changed sides of the field for us. And the ball kicked inside the 10 at least, maybe inside the 5, every kick. <laughs> every kick that felt like, at least 4, maybe 5. And how many did we get stopped? 1. And we didn't get it stopped. The ball just stopped on its own. Pecorell did spun it just right so that it laid down and then the person gets credit for picking up a ball that wasn't moving. But every one of those could have been pinned inside the five, inside the two. Like, it's it's unbelievable how many times we're missing. The, the special teams play is so bad. It's so bad. I, ju- I don't understand how these things don't get fixed. It's the same problems every day. It The hang time was there for these guys. One of them was just hilarious. Like, the, the guys got down there, turned at the 8 to 10 yard line, waiting for the ball, and the ball bounces four yards behind him. Go to the goal line. The goal is the goal line. The goal is not to pin it at the 10. 
The goal's dependent at the 1. Even if it bounced at the 10, what are you doing at the 10? It might get another 4 or 5 yard roll. Be the stop back at the end zone. I don't understand how we blew that many opportunities. Uh, kudos to the boys kicking the ball. It, it was a punting clinic, and they got zero payoff. And uh, sure hope they weren't as mad about it as I was, but I would not have blamed them if they're like, you know, I'm out of here. Y'all making me look bad. Now, I, <laughs> the stat sheet doesn't show how damn good I played today. As far as for the kicking line, I don't know which parts people wanted him to kick the field goal for. I can tell you I'm guilty of one, um, and I was proven wrong right in the moment. The play of the game for Shell and Tell, the fourth and three, I believe it was, uh, when we were down by eight. And I was like, why not just take the field goal here? Get rid of your two-point conversion opportunity. You know, get, get it within a one regular score. Make this a doable thing. Well, it was a doable thing because uh, he pulled out our first, you know, I guess you want to call it a trick play because we don't really run trick plays. So this is as good as it gets. And they run an option left, it looked like. And as everyone collapsed on the option quarterback and running back, I was like, oh, no. And Chig's leaking up the center for a little Patrick Mahomes flip pass that went for a first down. It was a pretty call. It's definitely the first time they ran it all year. That was definitely one of their, you know, I don't know if that was their two-point conversion play or if that was like a special fourth down play, but it was definitely something they've been working on for a long time and saving for a special circumstance. And it kept the drive alive. They got the touchdown instead of the field goal that I was wanting or thinking they should take there. And they got the two-point conversion all in one drive to tie it up at 14-14 to the beginning of the fourth quarter. And it just felt like it was going to happen. And to think that that happened, that it was 14-14 in the beginning of the fourth quarter, and the score looks like we got eight <laughs> at 31-14. to It's just kind of unbelievable how that all fell apart. You know your kickers, like you said. You study the kick line. You know when to make the kick, sure. But how have you not studied your punt team? How are you still kicking the ball in the center of the field and hoping that you can cover it at the goal line? Why aren't you telling your punter that they're not any good? That you need to do all the work and you need to kick for the corner. You need to kick it out of bounds. And you, why are you not taking that math equation and realizing that your coverage team can't stop the ball. So maybe you do need to go it on fourth down a little bit more often, or again, kick it out of bounds and take it out of their hands of that. They have to get down there and stop it because when you punt it from the 45 into the end zone, I would rather you went for it for fourth down. What, what did that 20 yards really gain you? That 20 yards didn't gain you anything. So you have to either get them pinned or you have to try. You have to go for it. Say it's a 5% conversion rate. Whatever it may be. You know, you have those numbers too. That's going to be better than the extra 20 yards you're getting. It might not have been better than you having an option to get a safety. But they've made it very clear that they're just not capable of stopping a bouncing ball. That's Stopping a bouncing ball is beyond the ability of your punt coverage unit. Well, the missed opportunities did not limit themselves to special teams. So coach gets into the improvement in the defensive line play and kind of the, just the disappointment that it just didn't seem to matter. You know, in our interior D-line, and I say this every week, those guys play really hard. I mean, Ami, Mo, Samo, uh, Tyler Baylor, Daryl Jackson, you know, those guys are playing winning football for us. And as you can see, we're getting people in the third down situations. We got to get the other guys playing to, that, to the level that they're capable of playing to support them. And, and allow us to get off the field, you know, to be three, uh, 10 of 18 on third down. And, and a lot of those third down situations were third and long type, seven plus. Uh, that's just disappointing. And, uh, you know, the big plays, the explosive plays, you know, we knew who number five was. We knew what he was capable of. And to look at the stat sheet and see him with 242 yards passing, really, really disappointing. Yeah, the defense seemed to play great on first and second down. The number of third and longs 
were just unbelievable. The number of times that you had to get your energy up, yell, scream, freak out, bang on everything because you thought maybe you could end this drive finally. The number of times that they converted six, seven, eight, nine, ten third downs on a drive to get down there and score a field goal or score a touchdown or whatever it may be. And with the, the same play over and over again, the touchdowns clearly were the same play over and over again. And we couldn't do anything about it. But in order to get there, some guys did play really well. There was some tackles for loss across the board. You got Greg Rose, another two big sacks on the day. Uh, you got Nasili Kite playing in the backfield with two tackles for a loss on the day. I, and, and again, the Tyler Boyd playing big. He had a, another, another sack on the day. Was, the defensive line is playing pretty well. Everybody was playing pretty well till third down. They were getting in the quarterback's head. There was a lot of hurries, a lot of hits. He only had one person to go to the ball with, but that person was the best player on the field, period. <laughs> the best player for either team, maybe the best player we've seen all year. This guy, Johan Dotson, I mean, what is he going to do? This guy is a dominant, dominant force. 11 receptions, 242 yards, and three touchdowns, all of which were huge, all of which were complete backbreakers along an 86. That doesn't even tell the story. He had an 86, got 55. He's a, whatever he wanted to do, he did. And, and that was it. That was the only guy. That was the only guy that did really anything to us. No one else in the box score has more than 50 yards to their name. 50 yards. He has 242. Not a running back, not a tight end, not a receiver, not nobody has more than 50 yards. In fact, most of them are under 30. But one dude took you for 242 yards. One dude. And why couldn't we fix that? Why couldn't we change that? Why didn't you Calvin Johnson bracket coverage this guy? I don't. If there's no one else beating you, the third touchdown's unacceptable. You can't let the third touchdown happen. I don't even know if you let the second touchdown happen because I'm pretty sure his yardage was insane before that. But the third touchdown is ridiculous. He should literally be bracket covered like it's a punt team. Circa Calvin Johnson. So, Coach, why couldn't we stop him? You tell me. He ran slant routes for about 242 yards against man coverage where uh, we want to deny inside leverage. Um, and he's a big-time player, and he made plays that were available to him. Um, would I like to see us in better leverage position to cover him? No doubt. Um, he caught us in a couple zone coverages. The first one was the double move where we were in zone. Uh, the next one was, again, we were in zone coverage, and, and they ran a, a similar concept. But then when we went man, you know, we had to challenge a good receiver like that, um, take away the leverages that don't allow the ball to be thrown inside. And those are the things we got to get correct. I don't know. I don't love the answer. I really don't. Feels like some player blaming here, and I'm not sure you can blame the player for not being good enough. This guy was clearly the best player in the stadium. He's got to be a top five player in the Big Ten. You're talking about solving the problem with normal ideas. This is not a normal situation. This is not a, this guy's really good and we need to mix it up, but they have six or seven other options that they're beating us with. No. The rest of the team was getting dominated by your team. The rest of Penn State couldn't do anything. They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't catch the ball. And they couldn't throw the ball to anybody but but them. It couldn't, it, nothing was working. So this is a different situation. This is a unique situation. This is not, we're going to mix up the coverages. This is, stop this dude at whatever means necessary. This one guy is going to beat you. And I just think we could have done more as a coaching staff. We could have done more 
as a team to make that happen because you didn't you didn't throw the box at him. You didn't have him. You know, maybe you shaded a safety to that side. Again, that's normal. This dude wasn't normal. This was the only player. Literally, the only thing you should be doing right there is either putting Mosley's big ass on him and roughing him up at the line to the point where he's on the ground every play or bracket coverage him with two people. That's it. Those are the the options. You you either remove this man from the game or you just, just dare them to throw into double coverage the entire time and eat him alive physically. Because you weren't going to beat him with a fair match. You weren't going to man up on him. I Look, I think Treve Stills one hell of a player. I think he's going to be an absolute NFL lock. I, I don't know, man. This dude looks like an NFL all-star. NFL all-star. I Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is just we weren't very good, and he'll be an above average to average wide receiver in the NFL. But whew, that's the most impressed I've been in a really long time. Like we said, though, we stayed with them. We stayed with them tied in the fourth quarter, 14-14. So something had to go a little bit right. Something had to be a little bit different than all these other games versus the top of the Big Ten that we were playing against. And one of those big changes, one of those secret things that if you're a follower of Inside the Black and Gold with Ahmed Gafir, I don't know what you're doing if you're not, please subscribe. Hey, Christmas is rolling around the corner. I know he's got opportunities where you can give a subscription as a gift. What would be cooler for the Maryland fan in your life than a subscription to Inside the Black and Gold and maybe a couple tickets to a game next year to share with your buddy, share with your friend, your family, whoever that other Maryland uh, fan is. Really let them be in the know and know what they're getting into before they get to sit in that stadium and enjoy what will hopefully be your bowl-winning Terps at that point next year. Anyway, enough with the sales pitch, but uh, if you are a subscriber, you had probably read or inferred on the message board that it had been posted and then deleted because he was so cutting edge with the information, it had to be taken down, that our offensive line had some changes in store for Penn State. Uh, Those did come true. Those did come into fruition. We saw the big meteor offensive line that Locks put out there, and he was asked about why this happened, what the decision process was in changing up the offensive line um, after the starters for the first couple games had been consistent. Um, you know, as we evaluate everything each week, we try to put our best players on the field. Uh, Delmar Glaze, DJ, has been one of those guys that we've continued to develop throughout the course of the season and uh, has played at a really high level. Um, you know, Eric being a junior college transfer, we thought that he's starting to maybe hit a little bit of a wall He's a little banged up, um, struggled to maintain kind of some of the, you know, when you have a quarterback the size of Leah, we want to be firm in the middle of our protection. So Spencer, uh, it allowed us to get DJ on the field. He's been playing at a high level. It allowed us to shore up some of the protection issues that were showing up on film over the last three, four weeks. And we put our best five out there. Not only is he a junior college transfer, but also, as we've talked about here on the Shell and Tell podcast, this is a guy that, due to COVID, had to play spring ball in his JUCO. Not only did he play spring ball, but he won a national championship in that spring ball, playing all the way into the month of June. This dude has played an awful lot of football in one year. And yeah, it wasn't looking so pretty the last couple weeks, but maybe he is banged up. Maybe it's just a lot of wear and tear. Maybe he's not ready for an NFL schedule in his junior college days. When you're talking about the amount of games he had to play all the way through the championship game and now adding the first seven of this game of this year, that's a lot of games on a, on a young man. So you had some options. We've been talking all year how they've been rotating in with uh, Jalen Duncan, Delmar Glaze on that left side. It's been mostly that left side. That was the most shocking part of this whole move is that he hadn't been rotating at right tackle with Spencer Anderson, really. And all of a sudden, he's the starting right tackle. That must have been some some practice time that showed that he could play on that right side because that's not, not always a seamless transition for somebody. But yeah, if you can play him at right tackle and Duncan at left and move Anderson's big ass into that center, shore things up, why not? 
like you said, your best five. Why would why would you not want to put your best five out there? Not to mention just the pure beef. What does the Big Ten have that we don't? Beef. We've been trying to build on our beef. It's like Arby's up in here. We need triple the beef. So, I, I mean, I was happy with it. I thought for the most part, um, everybody played a really good game. I thought that Spencer Anderson did really well in the one high snap that causes a turnover. But, you know, I'm not going to blame that all on him. I think that it was catchable. It was doable. I think it was a combination. I think it was early and high is what happened with Talia not being able to bring that under control um, because he kind of seemed surprised by it more than like unable to get his hand on it because he clearly got his hand on it, kind of batted it forward at the running back and before he, we lost control there. Um, but the right side, right tackle looked good. Last time we had seen this was in the spring game with Spencer Anderson at center and the right tackle got demolished. Uh, but that's now our backup uh, offensive guard uh, that was playing that right tackle spot. Uh, it was not uh, glazed in that position during the spring game. So they found something that works. They found that hole. They didn't think they could do it because they thought they needed him out there at the tackle position. But now that he can play center, you have a solid tackle. You stay healthy. That's an off- awfully good offensive line. Um, very happy with the developments. I assume that's what the offensive line you'll see. Bearing injury, knocking on wood. Currently, you can probably hear it on your speakers. Uh, that will be your starting offensive line for the rest of the year. Well, what's the offensive line's job? The offensive line's job is to protect the quarterback and to open up some holes for your running backs. But the protecting the quarterback became a lot more difficult on Saturday as he took a, one of the biggest shots of the day off the field. We let Coach give his thoughts immediately after the game on the shove heard around the world. But our guys upstairs thought that it was a, a, probably a, shot, a play that should be penalized. Um, I couldn't see it as on the far sideline. Um, so to comment on it other than that our coaches upstairs saw the replay and thought that it should have been a penalized play, but we'll see it. We'll take the necessary measures uh, to turn it in if it was. It's definitely a play that could have changed that game. I don't take some of the stances I've seen online about it being an ejectable play or a suspension worthy play or like the dirtiest hit in the history of time. I don't, you know, how the internet works. Everything's got to be the biggest, worst thing that's ever happened. But I certainly believe that play brought up a third and long. I think it was about third and seven. Um, as Tolia got knocked to the ground, was shaken up, the play was stopped, and therefore, or not the play was stopped, the clock was stopped for the shaken up player, therefore he had to come out of the game for a play. Now, you could question Locks that he could have taken time out and kept Tolia in there, but number one, Tolia has the right and ability to be checked out to make sure that he's okay. Number two, you got a pretty good backup quarterback from what we heard in Reese Udinsky. Now the question here is we went with a terribly safe quote unquote play with the screen left on the third and seven. Haven't seen a screen work for us. I think at all this year, um, I'm really sick of seeing them called. And of course it didn't work. Uh, I think we lost two yards on that play. And that was one of the, Punts that dribbled into the end zone because we don't know how to cover punts. Uh, so we ended up gaining a whole, you know, 23 yards on a punt. Um, so, yeah, a 15-yard unsportsmanlike penalty, which is clearly the minimum of what that should have been, uh, to give us a first down there in that moment changes a lot. Changes an awful lot. Because just that penalty puts you in field goal range. So all you got to do is not turn the ball over. And instead of a 14-14 tie, you're leading it at 17-14. And the pressure comes on a little bit thicker. So, yeah, I is it a big deal? It's a big deal they missed it. I don't know that it's a big deal anymore. Uh, there's not a lot you're going to do. You're gonna, you can't change the past. Do I feel like we got job by the refs? I don't know. I, I don't think it was malicious. I didn't see a terribly unfair called game, and I've definitely been – vocal out there for that in the past 
Um, I just think they missed it. It seems unbelievable they missed it because why wouldn't you be looking at the quarterback running out of bounds? That's like a really important place to cover. It feels like that's the back judge's job in that moment is to be watching where the play is ending there. Um, but, you know, they're human. They only have so many sets of eyes. They missed it. What are you going to do? Much like a coach, the quarterback takes all the blame and all the credit. You win, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. We saw that the first four games of the year. You lose, no matter how many yards you threw for, if you had any turnovers, if you miss an opportunity, even drop balls are somehow your fault. That's what happens. Loxley talks here about the turnover-prone narrative that's kind of developed around Talia um, and what he thinks about it. Yeah, you know, I thought he started out really fast for us in September and did some great things. And, and on offense, we showed great diversity and he protected the ball really well. But then somehow a narrative was created and after the Iowa game, uh, you know, as if there was a propensity for him to turn the ball over. And, I mean, to me, I said that game was an anomaly for him. Um, but from that game on, as I've said, you know, I felt like he's played winning football for us. Uh, you know, when we – if we're not successful, very few times can I put on the tape and say it's because of our quarterback. Um, you know, and not that he's absolved of playing. He hasn't played perfect, no. Um, but I also think, you know, when you look at the tape and you guys asked about the interception, for instance, in this last game, I mean, we had a turnover in the red zone on a fumble because the snap was high. And then we had a turnover in the red zone there with the interception and, as I said before, you know, perception isn't always reality because, you know, if Daryl continues to go through the, the area where the ball is being delivered and not settled, um, and then, you know, when you look at it, oh, the quarterback threw an interception, well, when you study it and you know ball, that there's a lot of things that go into it. So uh, I really think the kid's one of the better quarterbacks in our league. I think, uh, you know, he's only going to get better and better. He's a redshirt sophomore. He's played, started 10 games for us here, as you said or, or, or alluded to here. Uh, you know, as I said, when, when we lose, it's not because our quarterback isn't playing at a high level. It's because we all, including us as coaches, and I talked about that a lot this week, that this accountability piece is on us as coaches too. It's not always players' execution. It's us being in the right defense or the right offensive calls or me making the right decision and game management and, and who we need to have in the game. That's the decisions I've got to be made, that I've got to make uh, the right decisions. So this thing is enough to spread for everybody to take a, a blame when we lose and when we have success. So that's part of the job. But I really, I really like our quarterback. I really like our quarterback, too. I don't know. I know he played bad at the first half of the Illinois game, but he made up for it in the second half. I know that Iowa is 100% his loss. I cannot believe how bad he played in that second quarter and pretty much throughout the game until they could get him out of there. It was definitely the worst in-person performance I can remember watching. Uh, and it was probably worse than his Northwestern game last year, which was, again, tops of the worst performances I can remember. So, yeah, his bad is bad. But his good's good. It's it's really good. I mean, I, we've been vocal here about the complaints. He's got a few problems. He thinks he's more athletic than he <laughs> than he is. Um, he makes some questionable decisions at times and forces balls and tries to score fourteen points on one throw. But for the most part, he's really fun to watch. Really good. Really accurate. He's grown so much in that little shortened season we had last year in the offseason. He really is a better quarterback. I mean, how can you blame a guy that threw one interception late that Loxley said himself the wide receiver was supposed to go under the linebacker? That's how that play works. And he didn't. He settled back above and rested. And that's why that ball hit the linebacker straight in the chest. Well, the ball was thrown where the drag route should have came across in front of the linebacker, not behind. So the ball can't go through a receiver to the linebacker. 
He threw for 371 yards, 41 for 57. And again, this is a game that had at least five big drops, at least, probably more. He would have been well over 400 yards again. When's the last time Maryland had to put somebody over 400 yards multiple times in a year? I think this has been his third game over 400 yards without these drops. Without drops, he probably have five or six games, actually, because Illinois would have been over 400 yards if we didn't have balls falling all over the place. Just thinking of that, you know, would-be Demas touchdown. It was one of the one of the huge 80-yard plays, whatever that would have been. But, you know, you can't get rid of all drops. But you certainly shouldn't be having these one player with five drops. What's that player doing there? Why is that player still getting opportunities when that's happening? Now, Jake had a couple big drops in this game and still had one hell of a game. So it, it, you can't just broad brush it. You can't just say, you know, this guy's got some stone hands. And get him out of there. Because Jake was for 12 for 85, no touchdowns. The other side of that, in the tight end room, you got Corey Deitches, four for 38 with his touchdown. And then Chig was the one that converted the two-point conversion on that touchdown. So huge day out of the tight ends. Um, on top of that, C.J. Dupree still running fullback on the goal line package, looking good doing it, and got some mop-up duty receptions late in the game, two for 15. Tight end room was was so good that we put a little post out this week. You know, we do our player of the game, all player of the game. Well, we couldn't decide it. We started with Chick. And then I was like, you know, how do you even separate this? It's it's offensive players of the game, the tight end room. And so we put out both images. You guys decide. You tell us tell us what it is. Is this the individual player award? Did Chig show out so much this is his award reward? Or was it really a team effort there in that tight end room showing a whole leap? Like this is head, shoulders, knees, and toes above anything that tight end room has shown this year. So you let me let us know what you, th- what you think about that. Go take a look at the images. It's really, really cool. It came out nice this week. That that screen, man, they put out, it just changes that whole look of that stadium. It changes it in the, the player photos. It changes it walking into the stadium. It changes the just, like, feeling of, like, epic closure, like the, the whole wraparound feel. We've always talked about that upper deck that could have gone there. Well, you know, an empty upper deck would have not been anywhere near as cool as this sign closing in that side of the stadium. So I, I really have enjoyed everything that's came out of that. It has completely changed the game day experience. If you haven't got out there, I know it's going to be an awfully tough game to, to, to win, but get out there and see your boys on senior night. Go check it out, Chig's last game in a, in a Terps uniform, and see the upgrades at that stadium. It's unbelievable. Sitting there in Section 7 looking out and seeing the Tyson Tower that was not there when I started sitting there. The tunnel wasn't there. Cole Fieldhouse was just you know the normal concrete dome, and now it's that beautiful glass structure. Just to see these upgrades just in the last couple of years, just the way that basically the skyline, if you want to call it, of the stadium looking out. Just to see how all of the development has completely changed. Some of those views in that stadium were just so beautiful. So beautiful. I really hope we can make the play on the field match how good that that stadium is starting to look. We got we got to get this stepped up. Got to get this stepped up soon. Well, we don't have to wait long to have another opportunity to step up because it's the Big Ten. This Big Ten East just keeps on kicking. Another big matchup this week. Two more ranked opponents in a row, one on the road here at Michigan State, followed up by that last Michigan game at home. Another ranked opponent. I'm sure there's not much they could do to get unranked before then. (laughs) I don't think they can fall out of the top 25. They probably won't fall out of the top 15 by the time they roll here into College Park. So without further ado, let's let Coach kick it off to our next game. You know, moving into the Michigan State job, uh, Michigan State game, Obviously, Coach Tucker has done a really good job um, of getting his team to the point where they're a top 10 ranked team. Um, you know, they, they obviously had a tough loss last week, but when you watch them on tape, uh, that running back they have is a really special player, and they do a great job of utilizing him as he obviously leads the Big Ten and one of the best offenses in, in the Big Ten as well. Uh, when you look at him, he has 1,300 yards rushing, and, you know, our defensive guys, we chart. I think he has over 900 yards of yards after contact, which means, you know, he's one of those guys that you better bring 
all your pads and all your friends when you tackle him because he's got great contact balance. And uh, he's the guy that we've got to try to take out of the game plan this week. Um, you know, like I said, their quarterback, Peyton Thorne's a, a good player that really has operated really well. I mean, as much as as much success as the running backs had, they're pretty balanced on offense. And I think, you know, number one, uh, their receiver there is a guy that's made a lot of plays for them. A lot of the plays they make in the passing game comes from their ability to run the football. And so, you know, the play-action pass game and the complements to the run game have really allowed them to be an explosive offense when you watch them. Uh, defensively, you know, their team that gets after the quarterback, you know, they're number 96, uh, their DN, uh, a really big-time player, uh, has a big-time motor, fits into the mold of all the great front guys that we've faced thus far. So uh, we better understand and know where he is. And, you know, it would be a great road test for us. Um, it's always tough, as I say, to win on the road, especially in the Big Ten. Um, I do know this. Our kids will show up. They've showed up every week. They've practiced the way we need to practice. But now I've got to get them and us as a staff, we've got to get our players to play uh, to the best of their ability this Saturday and uh, give ourselves a chance to, to do something special, which is still to get to that sixth win, which allows us to become bowl eligible. And, and I can tell you that you know, yesterday's practice, the energy in the meetings and making the corrections from the Penn State game, those things are all there. So that's a good sign for us, a good sign for the culture that we've kind of started to create, and, and I know we'll be able to get things done based off of that. Um, the captains for this game will be Greg Rose, Chigo Quanco, and uh, Jordan Mosley. Like Loxley said, it's no secret. It's no secret what they're going to want to do with you. They're going to run that ball. This Walker third, woo! 197 attempts, 1,330 yards. You heard Coach say, 900 of it after contact? What? That's insane. <laughs> Number one, it's kind of crazy that his line's letting him get touched that early to get <laughs> and still getting all those yards. But and this, this is a man-child. We have not done very well against man-children. We just let the clear number one player at Penn State do what he wanted. We knew exactly what Minnesota was going to do, and they did it. Well, we know what Michigan State's going to do, and I'm pretty sure they're going to do it. I mean, God bless you, Greg Rose, be captain of this game and getting that backfield and Sam O and all these linemen we got going on, but you're going to need some help from that linebacker core. And we don't even know if Jennings is playing. Jennings didn't play last week. He was healthy scratch. Loxley said that it was about a knee injury and that the brace they had wasn't working appropriately and they needed to order a different kind of brace and said the medical decisions aren't up to him. That's the medical team. They let me know who can play and who can't play and I deal from there. Well, we need him. (laughs) That's a huge part of that linebacker core at this point. And if he's not ready to go, who's filling in there? Mosley's done a really good job playing a lot of linebacker for us. He's supposed to be a safety. He's supposed to be in the DBs, but he's up there in that D- that linebacker core an awful lot. He's playing well wherever we ask him to play. Playing well wherever we ask him to play. But I just don't know. I don't know if we have enough guys to slow it down. I can tell you that we're going to try to score with them, and I can tell you that their leading tackler on defense is their safety, which is one of the things I've complained about us this year is letting Nick Cross be our leading tackler that your last line of defense being your leading tackler does not say a lot of good things about your defense. So maybe we can keep up maybe, but you're going to have to have a Carlos carrier type game. You have to have Carlos carrier and Shigs last this game all combined. I, uh, we did not get enough out of our wide receivers last game. We didn't. I don't know what they changed. I didn't see pretty much anything out of Fleming. Didn't see anything at all out of Carrier. Thank God the tight ends kept us in the game. They played very well. Running backs did okay. We're going to need more. We're going to need to keep them on the sideline. And we're going to need to get lucky. 
We have to get the turnover battle. If you win either one of these teams against Michigan State or Michigan, they're better teams than us. You have to win the turnover battle in order to win these games. Have to. And uh, fair or unfair, Talia, running backs, whoever it is, that means you have to be perfect because our defense has not shown that they're going to give you more than one. There was We had a couple games early. They got two. We've had zero for the last five games. And so you have to play perfect, as unfair as that is. You know, you don't want any turnovers, but one turnover on offense is, feels pretty acceptable for the most part. Of course, our turnovers are always in the worst possible moments. We're never turning the ball over at the 50-yard line. We're either turning the ball uh, ball over in the shadow of our goalpost or when we're knocking on their door. There's never – doesn't seem to be any, you know, non-penalizing turnovers when it comes to the Terps. So I don't know. I don't I don't think that their receiving core is as good as Lox is putting up to be. Um, number one, he was speaking about – he has 715 yards. It's good in his nine games, but it's certainly not what we just played against. That's that's three games <laughs> against Dotson. So uh, it's a good receiver. It's not their go-to. It's not what they want to do. Um, certainly has a balanced attack, sure. He's got 2,000 yards throwing, uh, 1,000 yards for their leading running back, though. That's That's the key. That's the key. You have to you have to slow him down. You have to get lucky, force a fumble, pay attention, and get that turnover on the pass. Even though you're gonna be you're gonna be lulled to death because it'll be run, 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 and then that play action pass is probably gonna work. I don't have a good feeling, guys. I I hope to be wrong as always. I don't think that we can beat this team on the road in East Lansing. Which is depressing because at the beginning of the year when we looked at the schedule and we looked at last year's production from last year's teams, number one, this was definitely one of the wins that we counted on the schedule. Number two, we were looking at being this being our away game. that We're going to fly out to Detroit and take the 90-minute bus ride out to East Lansing and watch our boys take a win. Well... I'm sitting here kind of glad I didn't book it. Sitting here thinking that that would have been a pretty depressing game to watch, but I'm really hoping I'm sitting at work on Saturday and watching this game on a phone, maybe. Don't listen to this, boss. And thinking, why did I not book those plane tickets? Why did I not go? What an amazing upset win against a top-ranked team, I sure hope. But I don't think it's happening. I will be happy if we keep this within 14. I'll probably be happy if we keep within 17. But I don't I don't think we can win this game. Again, hope I'm wrong. I'll go with the score prediction. Um... Michigan State. As much as it pains me, I think we really are. We're hedging all our bets on Rutgers. I mean, maybe in the longest shot, the home crowd senior any given Saturday thing lets you get it out of the way before. But honestly, I think that we we just pissed away our our chance at that top-ranked Big Ten upset. I think we had it in our grasp. I think that was a very winnable game against Penn State. We showed so much in that game, but all of it will mean nothing if you can't get six wins. If you can get six wins and go bowling, that's where the conversation starts, and then you start discussing some of the positive things from the loss, from multiple losses, whatever, the positive things that came from anything, the fact that you had a lead in every game this year until the Penn State game. The fact that you were tied with Penn State in the fourth quarter. 
All of these things will matter if we get a sixth win. They don't matter at all right now. They don't matter even a little bit if you lose against these last three squads. As unfair as that is with how highly ranked these teams are going to be outside of Rutgers, so it's it's the way it is. This this year was baller bust. It was. It wasn't Rose baller bust. I hope we get there someday where that's the standard. It's Meineke muffler bowl or bust or pinstripe bowl or the All-American bowl or whatever bowl it may be. It's just a bowl. Just take me to a bowl. Whatever bowl it is, I promise you I'll be there. All right, Terps? Whatever it is. I don't care if we're in Siberia, Alaska, whatever, wherever you want to play. I will buy the tickets. I will be there. Win this sixth game. Cost me some money. Send me on a road trip. All right, guys, that's enough football for the day. Quickly want to touch on basketball just because we had such a cool, amazing experience. Thanks to at DC Barno on Twitter. Uh, he was doing a, his courtside ticket giveaway. Uh, we commented and he was gracious enough to give us the tickets um, as a reward for promoting Maryland athletics. Uh, and I thank you very much. We've had a lot of really cool experiences. We've done a really lot of cool things. Uh, it was definitely the like most tangible um, thing we've earned and had from this program, and it was it really showed that people are out here listening, that people are out here caring, that people, you know, believe that this is actually doing some good, and some people that are well connected. Somebody somebody that has these kind of seats, you know, knows a lot about this program, is well around this program, and they wouldn't be giving us things or recognizing us for for what we're doing here if they didn't think some good was coming out of this. And that's what that's what we wanted to do when we started this program is to to help the program. Like, yeah, of course it helps me. It's a lot of fun to take my hobby to the next level. I, you know, enjoy it. But it it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of energy. And um the big thing is that I see these other programs across the country with better quality coverage both from local news media, from podcasters, from fans, from the fact that, you know, other schools have their weekly coach press conference on television and ours is like this busted internet stream or on local talk radio and just want to see us get up to that level. And so that's why we did this. It's really, really awesome to be recognized in that way. And I can't thank you enough. It really energized, put some wind in our sails to, you know, put our nose to the grindstone and keep working and keep doing this. So thank you very much to at DC Barno. It was an amazing experience. You guys, it's the best view in sports. It's a hundred percent. The best view in sports. I have never sat at the glass and hockey during a game. I have sat at the glass and hockey for warmups and realized how cool it is. So I understand, um, the concept of how amazing that view of sports must be. Um, but this is the glass in hockey without the glass. How do you beat that? You're in the game. Players are like literally falling in your lap. Players, the speed and size and strength of these guys is so clear. It's so amazing. I don't, I cannot fathom how amazing it is that you just, are are in that realm and seeing these i have no words for it there were really cool experiences here so once you get down onto the court um there's a tunnel that the players use it's the same tunnel that you can use for your uh restroom well you know went down there checked that out and got to see the team coming out of the locker room for their lineup of the tunnel hear the vocal leadership of eric ayala you know, coach the players up, tell them what to do, even in the lineup, warm-ups, things like that. If this is how we warm up for the first half. This is how we warm up for the second half. Like, which way to run out of the tunnel? It was just all this cool insider-type things. Seeing, you know, all the big-time donors and people at the stands. You know, of course, it was not the fullest game I've ever seen. There were not a lot of people there. Uh, looking at you, students, all the student tickets were claimed, and about 300 of you showed up. Y'all have done really well for football. 
really well. I've been super proud of you. We're now three games in if you count the exhibition, two if you don't. And I'm not proud of you. I'm not proud even a little bit. Uh, need to show up to basketball. I don't understand. Um, it goes past the students. A lot of the seats were empty today against a local rivalry in George Washington. Don't know what you're doing. This is a good team. They're ranked number 21 in the country. We got problems. Of course we do. We got the same problems as always. Can't hit free throws. Can't hit three pointers. <laughs> uh, and, you know, a little bit turnover happy. Um, but I think the talent will edge out. I think that this is a big and talented program. Uh, Kodis Wahab is a big, strong body. Uh, we're not using it right yet. We're not good at passing to the interior uh, and using a center because they're just not used to having one. It's been a minute. Last year, we didn't have a center at all. This is such a new program. You only have really three returning starters. You have a bunch of people transferring in. Um, there weren't a lot of people even on the bench that are now starting. Um, so James Graham's been kind of buried behind some of the transfers and uh, the freshmen coming in. Reese. Looks huge. Huge. That is a big 18-year-old. Man is going to be something to watch. Fats Russell was a walking highlight reel. He's all of 5'8". I don't know what his stats say he is, but my man is not tall. Uh, but he got 12-foot springs under his legs. He plays above the rim constantly. He's had multiple blocks on the year already. Uh, he's dunking between his legs and warm-ups, doing windmills, all kinds of craziness. Man's got Muggsy Bowes tight ops. Um, Eric Ayala, been hit or miss, mostly miss so far. I need to see a lot more of my boy. I've run the EA Glow hype line since day one. I expect really big things from him, so my expectations might be a little too high, but Certainly today's game did not meet his, mine, or anybody's expectations of his game. Um, so hopefully that works out. Again, free throw shooting. I don't know how this stays a problem. Three-point shooting. I don't know why it stays a problem, and I also don't know why we just keep shooting. Why are we 26 minutes into the game, have not hit a three, and we're still shooting one at least every other time down the court? Like, just use those big giant bodies we got down there and score two at a time. If you're not good at it, you're not good at it. I know you got to stretch the defense out every once in a while, but I don't know about that pace. <laughs> you don't need to be shooting them that often. Anyway, I think it'll get better. I think that there's just so many moving pieces. They're all learning to play together. Reese is super young. He's going to get so much better by the time March rolls around. Just the unbelievable change in playing at this level. Uh, he's going to be really something of a force to reckon with, especially next year. But I think he'll be ready for tournament time. And hopefully between him and Quotas, that'll be a lot for any front court to deal with. I just, I think this team could do really big things and they just need to work together. They need to develop together. And we're going to see that throughout the year. Well, guys, somehow I just bust out an hour by myself. If you stuck with me, thank you. I know this is not the most exciting way to talk sports. One person by himself with a mic. Uh, we will bring back the team next week, hopefully. Uh, this week, uh, Fred was on the ills. Um, he had a, a sickness he's fighting through. And Ahmed was covering the game live and bringing you all the inside the black and gold coverage that you may need. Um, so just kind of ran out of time. We were trying to wait for... Fred to heal up, and that didn't quite happen, and then Ahmed's schedule fell through with the amount of time we had left before the next football game, and I figured you guys just needed to get something out. So, I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know what you thought. Let me know if next time I should just scratch this if I don't have my boys with me. That's fine. I don't get my feelings hurt too, too easy. Until next time, guys, here's the wishing. All is well. Under the shell. <laughs>